Good morning. It's my honor to welcome you here to East Tailsville Baptist Church. And uh, if you're visiting with us today, we would encourage you before you leave to please stop by the guest table located in the vestibule. We would love to have a record of your visit. We have a gift back there that we have for you. Um, we also encourage you if you're visiting or maybe you've been visiting for a while. We know sometimes people just kind of want to slip in and slip out and that's fine. But maybe you've been coming for a while and you'd like to know more about our church. If you would fill out the care card, Looks like this. It's in your bulletin, um, and you can drop that in the offering plate or give it to one of our staff members or just leave it in your pew. Uh, we would love to have a record of that and know how we can answer any questions that you may have. But also, for our members, uh, you don't always use this, but if you have any prayer requests that you'd like for us to be aware of, things that we need to be updated on, your information, mailing address, or phone number, you can use the care card as well and get that to us. We'd love for you to use that. Um, but couple announcements or several announcements I need to make. Um, several of you have asked this week about contribution statements. All of y'all are ready to pay your taxes. Um, but uh, those have been sent out, so you should receive those this week. And we appreciate Tracy for all her hard work that she takes care of that. Um, also, if you give online, many of you have started giving this year online. We offer that. And you can access your giving uh, record anytime you'd like to and print that out yourself. That's available to you. Just log into your account. But if you need help, you can talk to me. And then also... Uh, how many of you, I'm just curious, did not receive your offering envelopes yet? Okay, that's not good, is it? <laughs> well, um, you may receive those this week. I think they may have been delayed. Uh, that is taken care of through Lifeway Envelope Service, um, and they mail those directly from their company. So if you do not receive those this week, please let me know. And uh, sometimes they have glitches with, with their system, and we want to make sure you get those. Now, if you're uh, ready for me to quit making announcements, I'm going to ask you to stand. Take just a minute and welcome your neighbor here. Give him a fist bump. Give him a hug. Welcome them to the service.
make you. I'm going to ask you to stand with me as we go into our prayer time. And as you saw in that video, I would just say with, with strong conviction that East Hales Baptist Church is unashamedly and unapologetically pro-life. We believe that life begins at conception. 97% of biologists would agree with me. The other 3% are wrong. And if you can get that much of a consensus in science on anything, that's a, a, a really major. So what I want to do at this prayer time is I'm going to ask you to come down here and uh, pray with me and let's lift our nation up. I think future generations, this is what I believe, future generations will look back on these last few generations in America and say, how in the world did you let this modern day Holocaust happen in your country. Your money says in God you trust. You have thousands and thousands of churches. But every day uh, thousands of babies are aborted in America. In the name of science, convenience and everything else. God have mercy on us. God have mercy on us. This church is unapologetically and unashamedly pro-life. Unapologetically pro-life. So let's lift our nation up to prayer. In prayer as uh, the choir leads us in this song. If you'll meet me here at the altar. Let's pray uh, for these things this morning. Father, as we come to you in prayer, Lord, we just want to thank you for your word. Father, you told Jeremiah before I knew you, I formed you in the womb. And Father, we're so thankful that every child that has been born and every child that right now, Lord, is unborn is a special gift from you, regardless of how that baby's been conceived. Father, you're the giver of life and only you are the taker of life. Father, I, I, I pray for our nation. Lord, forgive us. Father, forgive us as a nation. Father, I pray for every young girl or older girl, woman, Lord, who is pregnant now, Lord, please encourage them to choose life. Father, I lift up those who have went through with abortion. Father, some people just didn't know any better. Lord, I pray that, you, Lord, you offer grace and forgiveness, restoration and healing. Lord, only you can bring healing uh, in situations like this. And Lord, we know that you can. Father, I pray that the church would, Father, rally around uh, those that are pregnant. And Lord, help them, Father. Help us to be a welcoming church. Father, every child that is born is a gift from you. And we thank you for that. And Father, I pray that as a church, Lord, we would always stand for life. Lord, before birth and after birth. Father, I pray that you'd continue to bless in this service. Lord, I pray for our nation. Lord, help us and heal us. Lord, restore us. Lord, forgive us. And Lord, we thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to pray. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to worship, Lord, to give. Father, for all these things, Lord, we do it for you. And pray that your name would be glorified, your kingdom expanded. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Lay down your
Amen. Thank you, choir. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Jonah chapter 1. And stand with me, if you will, out of respect for God's Word. We're going to read verses 4 all the way down to verse 16 this morning. Last week, and I'll talk about it this just a, minute, a little bit and review here in just a moment, we've looked at Jonah, the fact that Jonah runs. Today we're going to look at the fact that Jonah sleeps. Now notice what the Bible says in verse 4. But the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship was about to be broken up. Then the mariners were afraid, or the sailors. And every man cried out to his God. And let me just say this. There are no atheists on sinking ships, right? So you have these pagan men crying out to little g-gods because they think they're going to die. And threw the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten the load. But Jonah had gone down. This is just a part of his life now. Last week we saw that he was running from God's will, trying to. And he goes down, he goes down, he goes down. And then here the Bible says this in verse 6. But Jonah had gone down into the lowest parts of the ship and had lain down, was fast, look at that, was fast asleep. You think Jonah had peace? Jonah had tremendous peace. Let me tell you something, peace cannot be a great indicator sometimes of God's will in your life. Alright? Jonah was fast asleep. So the captain came to him and said to him, What do you mean, sleeper? Arise, call on your God. Perhaps your God will consider us so that we may not perish. And they said one to another, Come, let us cast lots that we may know for whose cause this trouble has come upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, Please tell us, for whose cause is this trouble upon us? What is your occupation, and where do you come from? What is your country, and of what people are you? And he said to them, I'm a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, why have you done this? For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Then they said to him, What shall we do to you that the sea may be calm for us? For the sea was growing more tempest. And he said to them, Pick me up and throw me into the sea. Then the sea will become calm for you. For I know that this great tempest is because of me. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to return to the land. But they could not. For the sea continued to grow more tempest against them. Therefore they cried out to the Lord and said, now here they're praying to God, the true God. We pray, O Lord, please do not let us perish for this man's life. And do not charge us with innocent blood, for you, O Lord, have done as it pleases. So they picked up Jonah and threw him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice to the Lord and took vows. Let's pray together. Fathers, we come to you in prayer. Lord, last week we looked at how as a Christian, Lord, as a born-again Christian who has a calling, Lord, that we can, and oftentimes we do, run from your will. And in running from your will, we think that we're running from your presence, but Lord, we cannot outrun you. And Father, we see in the life of Jonah that, Lord, when we're not in your will, and Lord, when we're running from your will, everything goes bad. <laughs> everything. And Father, the most important thing is this, is that you send discipline in our lives. And Father, today we see this, this, this situation where a storm has come, lost people are on the ship, crying out to false gods, and Lord, your prophet, your prophet, your evangelist is asleep. Father, I wonder how many of us, Lord, your, your prophets, your evangelists here this morning, we all are because of the Great Commission. Lord, how many of us are asleep to the lost and dying around us each and every day? Lord, today when we leave here, we'll come in contact with lost people. Tomorrow at work. Lord, at school. 
come in contact with people, Lord, that may not say it verbally, but in their heart they're crying out, wake up, old sleeper. Tell me about your God. Father, I pray that we would not, that we would not be a church that sleeps. Lord, in, in, in these what could be last days, help us to arise and wake up and share the good news with the lost and dying world. And Father, I pray that we would learn from the discipline that you send in our life. Lord, it is a picture that we're born again. And Lord, if we can live in unrepentant sin day after day after day and not be disciplined, that is a tremendous sign that we don't even have a relationship with you. So Father, storms are not a bad thing. They're a good thing if we'll just repent. And we want to tell you that we love you this morning. Thank you once again for your word. Thank you for the Holy Spirit that alone can convict, change, and convert. And Father, I pray that we would surrender to your will. Lord, Jonah had about four times here to repent, and he never did. I pray that we would this morning. In Jesus' name I pray, and all of God's people said together, Amen. Thank you. you. may be seated. A couple things in review. Last week we looked at this fact that Jonah's mission is unprecedented at this time in history. No prophet had ever been sent to a, to a Gentile, what the Bible would call, in Bible words, pagan nation. Jeremiah, or... Jonah is the first. Now, Jeremiah spoke out against other nations. So did Isaiah, some of those prophets. But they were never sent. And, and what we found out last week is this. Assyria was a cruel, wicked nation. And Nineveh was the capital of Assyria. Archaeology shows us that if you, if you look at Nineveh, the city, and we'll see some of these pictures later, but they had some great high walls. As a matter of fact, one, one archaeologist says you could probably do a three-lane highway just around their walls. It's amazing. But they also were a very savage and brutal people. And, and what we have, is, especially in London's British Museum, if you'll show this slide, this is what we showed last week. What they would do is line their walls with pictures of their conquest. Okay? The Assyrians were wicked. They would come down. Now, their neighbors in the south was Israel. Okay, they would come down from time to time, very slow and gradual. This is how they marched. Okay? And then they would take people. And then they would brutally torture them. These are Hebrew captives, impaled alive, and they would carry them around. Oftentimes, they would cut off a man's head and make his friend carry his head around. They would cut off one arm and leave the other arm. This is all historical facts. And th just so you could shake the hand of your killer before he killed you. That's how wicked they were. They would literally fillet people alive, bury them up to their neck, pull their tongues out, and nail their tongues into the ground so that your brain would really, literally fry. Anybody ready to go to Dos Amigos? <laughs> they were wicked. Notice what one king said. I showed this last week. One Assyrian king boasted of his cruelty. When he recorded these excavated words, I flayed the skin from as many nobles as had rebelled against me and draped their skin over the pile of corpses. I burned their children. I captured many troops alive and cut off their arms, hands, noses, ears, and extremities. So when God tells Jonah to go to Nineveh, he says they don't deserve the gospel. They don't deserve it. The most wicked, as a matter of fact, God says go to that great city for their wickedness, in verse 2, has come up before me. They're a stench to my nose, God says. And you have the gospel and you take it to them. And Jonah says, no. Notice what here, we looked at this last week. Where does Jonah go? The green arrow shows where Jonah's supposed to go. But Jonah goes down to Joppa. And me and Justin was talking about this past week. It was probably one of the few pagan ports all right, in Israel. So when Jonah goes down there, he has nobody trying to stop him. Nobody probably even knows him. 
So Jonah goes down there, and according to verses 1 through 3, he pays the fare, which means he bought the whole boat. He paid, he paid an enormous sum of money to get on that ship to go all the way, follow the red line, Tarshish. That was the most furthest point west that they even knew existed. So Jonah says, I'm leaving, literally, I'm going as far away from God's call as I can. Okay? You've got to understand this too. Normal Jews would not take a trip like this. They had this fear of drowning, even though they were fishermen. Okay, they're going across, look, look how far this, this travel is. So Jonah is really out of character here. Jonah says, I'm done being a prophet. I'm going to run. I'm leaving. He hated the Assyrians, and he ran. Now listen, the effects or consequences of disobedience are not always immediate. We don't know how long Jonah was in Joppa. We don't know how far on this path Jonah was. We don't know. It may have been days, weeks, months. We don't know. Okay? It may have been immediate, but typically, listen, the effects or consequences of disobedience are not always immediate. That's why Jonah has this false sense of peace. Okay? Well, I did this. Everything in my life is going fine. As a matter of fact, I feel really, really good about it. He wanted to be as far away from Nineveh, Nineveh and God as possible. And we, we saw this last week too. Anytime you're running from God, Satan will always provide you the transportation. Always. Probably a nice boat. Okay? And here's Jonah. He's running. This week, though, we're going to see that Jonah is sleeping. Notice the first thing. When we run from God, God always sends a storm. Notice verse 4. The Bible says this, but the Lord sent. Now, is this because of bad weather? No. The Lord sent. As a matter of fact, in the Hebrew, it means the Lord hurled like you're throwing a javelin. When David was playing for Saul, and Saul was demented in his mind, he picked up a spear and threw it at David and pinned his shirt to the wall. Same words used here. This came out of nowhere. It wasn't cloudy, and all of a sudden, a storm is thrown. It's hurled down. That's what it says. But the Lord sent, or the Lord, the Lord hurled out a great, look at the word great. That's the same word that God himself uses to talk about Nineveh. This was an unusual, supernatural storm. It came out of nowhere. It says, and the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship was about to be broken up. These are probably Tarshish ships. They're, they're made for long distance, long journey. Some of the sailors, the Bible says, would sail for up to three years at a time. It's unheard of. But this storm that comes out of nowhere, I mean, it comes out of nowhere, hits, it's being hurled, and it's, and it's hitting Jonah right here in verse 4. And notice what else. This is how we know how bad it is. Notice the next verse. Then the mariners or the sailors were afraid. <laughs> These guys just didn't get afraid. They understood this was something different. This is not just a storm. And every man cried out to his God so much so that they were praying. These hardened sailors were praying. They're like, this is unusual. This is not normal. We've never seen anything like this before. We are going to die today. Now let me tell you this. This is a vivid picture of God sending a storm in Jonah's life because of his disobedience. One pastor put it this way. The dismaying news is that every act of disobedience to God has a storm attached to it. It's one of the great themes of the Old Testament wisdom literature, especially the book of Proverbs. We must be careful here because this, just because you have a storm in your life don't mean you're disobedient, but every time you're disobedient, a storm comes attached to it. 
The writer of Hebrews says this, that God disciplines his children. God disciplines his children. And I'll say this, and I believe I can say this on the authority of God's word. If you're living in unrepentant sin, whatever that sin is, and you can go months, years without God's discipline, I can tell you on the authority of God's word, you're probably not even his child. Because God disciplines his children. It's a principle and a promise in the Bible. When we live in unrepentant, unconfessed sin, and it's a pattern in our lives, and there's no discipline, according to the Bible, God disciplines his children out of love. Okay, God sent this storm not to pay Jonah back for his sin, but to bring him back from his sin. Think about this. It's, it's suddenness and fury is something the pagan sailors see as supernatural. Numbers 32, 23, Moses said this. You will be sinning against the Lord, and you may be sure that your sin will find you out. And this sin has found Jonah out. And you have here in verse 5, each of the sailors, according to the Hebrew text, shouted out to his God, little G, in prayer. You have a spontaneous prayer meeting going on deck by the terrified sailors. And here are, these men are veterans. They've ridden the high seas. They knew storms. However, this storm is so incredible, so swift, and so sudden that they assume that something supernatural is out to get them, and they're right. Their only hope, their only hope is Jonah. If Jonah repents, the storm stops, and they go back to Joppa. Jonah, but what's Jonah doing? Notice... Second point, Jonah was asleep. Notice the verse. But Jonah. But Jonah. There's that word, two words again. But Jonah had gone down into the lowest parts of the ship and had laid down and was fast asleep. How many of you guys like to sleep? I love sleep. As I get older, it's harder to sleep. They say that we'll spend about a fourth of our time sleeping if you live to... Yeah, you like to sleep. Don't sleep during my preaching, Jackson. Listen, <laughs> if you live to be 75 years old, about 25 years you're going to be sleeping. Okay? Now, last night, Sunday night, or Saturday night, couldn't sleep. One o'clock, wide awake. Two o'clock, wide awake. Three o'clock, wide awake. So what do you do? You, I do what you guys do. I listen to one of Mark's sermons right to sleep. Okay? <laughs> Just... And see, I was in such a deep sleep, okay? We have those available. It's a ministry, okay? Notice what it says. Jonah was fast asleep. Now, this is very important. The Hebrew text, some of the old Hebrew writers would say this. Jonah was so in such a deep sleep, he was snoring. He was snoring. You think Jonah's worried about anything? Look, you don't sleep this good unless you're at peace, like a, like a newborn baby. Do they have any worries? None. Jonah's here like, I got no worries. I got peace in my heart. I love what one pastor said. He said this about peace. He said this. <clears throat> he says, one of Satan's primary roles or goals is to give you peace about doing the wrong thing. Did you hear me? One of Satan's primary goals is to give you peace about doing the wrong thing. Now everybody look at me. When I'm counseling people, now, I don't ask the council people. They come to me. And if you come to me, I'm just going to try to be as honest as I can and speak the truth in love. Okay? How many people have come to me and they've had peace about the sin they're living in? Hundreds. 
I got peace about it. You can't tell me I wouldn't have this much peace about it if God wasn't in it. Okay? I got peace about it. You know what Eve had? She had peace about eating the forbidden fruit. Satan said, it's okay. The forbidden tree is good for food. It's to make you wise. You won't die. He gave her peace about disobeying God. Gave her peace. Pastor goes on to say, that peace in your heart may not be God's affirmation of what you're doing. It may be Satan numbing your conscience as he leads you down a path toward death. Don't look at to peace in your heart as a guide for your life. Look to God's word. Whatever God says about it is true. Okay? Whatever God says about it is true. <laughs> when Amos addressed the nation, they were living in sin, Israel was, and God, God sent prophet after prophet. Amos, God said through Amos, Woe to them that are at ease, that are sleeping in Zion. Well, oh, they got peace about living in sin. They got peace about worshiping Baal and the Asherahs. They got peace about burning their kids to, in, the, in the fire belly of Molech. They got peace about it. You got peace about it? What does God's word say about it? How, I don't know how many times I've counseled with people. And, and let me tell you the number one where I get peace all the time from people is adultery. How could something so wrong feel so right? When I'm sinning with you. Sounds like a Sam Hunt song, don't it? How could something so wrong? How could something be so wrong that feels so right? I, I get that so many times. And I'm like, just what does God's word say about it? Jonah, look, you better listen. Jonah was fast asleep. Fast asleep. Had tremendous peace. Paul told the church at Thessalonica, let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be alert. All these references tell us one thing, that it's possible for a true believer in Jesus Christ to become a sleeping Christian and a real gospel church can fall asleep. Think about it. Do you, you realize, now these are stats, these are stats, that 80% of Southern Baptist churches baptize zero or one young adult between the ages of 18 and 29. And overall in the Southern Baptist Convention, 10,000 Southern Baptist churches baptized zero. Isn't that amazing? Sounds like somebody's asleep, doesn't it? I mean, isn't it amazing? Now think about this for a minute. I thought about this. We don't share the gospel, but we'll pay $2,000 to go on a mission trip to do it. Isn't that amazing? Notice this quote by Lee Strobel. He says this, I've seen far too many Christians who are more than willing to travel halfway around the world to volunteer for a week in an orphanage but who cannot bring themselves to take the personal risk of sharing Jesus with the co-worker who sits day after day in the cubicle right next to them. Isn't that amazing? But I'll pay two grand to fly overseas to do it, but I won't do it here. No wonder 10,000 Southern Baptist churches baptize nobody. Isn't that something? Because it can be this. Are we asleep? When a man is asleep, he does not know what's going on around him. You remember when Jesus was in the garden before the cross and he told his disciples, could you not watch with me one hour? What were they doing? Sleeping. You remember Samson, the man that had so much potential? So much potential. Okay? He fell asleep in Delilah's lap. The Philistines don't sleep. See? Sleep. No wonder 10,000 Southern Baptist churches Baptize nobody. Think about. I heard one pastor, it might have been David Jeremiah, share this. He said this, think about cancer. Millions die each year. Everybody's affected by it. But what if a doctor in your community discovered the cure? 
but he wanted to wait to introduce it to the world because he was tired and needed sleep. What would you call him? He said this, you'd call him an ungrateful monster. Would you not? Then he goes on to say this, you say to me that such a monster never existed. I tell you that I see him here today, that person is you. And you know that the world is sick with the plague of plagues and you yourself have been cured with the remedy which has been provided, yet you are asleep. That's why Jesus told the church at Sardis, I know your works, that you have a name, that you're alive, but you are dead. Now notice verse 6, what are the pagan sailors doing? They're crying out to a God that can't hear them. So, so the captain came to him and said to him, what do, you, what do you mean, sleeper? Arise, call to your God. Perhaps your God will consider us so that we may not perish. Tell me about Jesus. Now I've shared this story with you probably too many times. But Penn Gillette is an atheist, he's a comedian, he's a magician. And after one of his shows, he said that there was a man, a, re- a very nice-dressed businessman, who just stood there very patiently while everybody was getting autographs, had a book in his hand. And he said, what you got there, sir? He says, well, I'm a Gideon. I got a Gideon's Bible. And he said, I just want to share Jesus with you, if you got just a few seconds. Now, he, he has a YouTube channel where he shares what I'm about to share with you. And he says, what did I think about that man at that time? He is a, he's still an atheist. Okay? He thinks what we're doing is crazy. But listen to what he says. These are his words. I've always said that I don't respect people who don't proselytize or evangelize. So he don't respect people like John. Now this is why. I don't respect that at all. If you believe that there's a heaven and a hell, that people could be going to hell for not getting eternal life, and you think that it's not really worth telling them this because it would make you socially awkward, how much do you have to hate someone not to evangelize? How much do you have to hate some, somebody to believe everlasting life is possible and to not tell them that? This is an atheist like these sailors. What do you mean you're sleeping? You got the words of eternal life and you're asleep? What do you mean you're sleeping? I'm trying to think of how many times I heard the gospel as a teenager. From the time I started elementary school to the time Joe Young handed me my diploma, I think it was about zero. 100 churches in Arizona County. Zero. Sleeping. 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 Jonah was fast asleep while the ship was going down. And he was the cause of it. And they say arise. It's the same word that God said to Jonah in verse 1. Arise and go to that great city. They're crying out for help. Now notice verse 7. The Bible says this, And they said to one another, Come, let us cast lots. And God used that. You can read Proverbs in the Old Testament. You don't do it now. And what do you think Jonah's saying? I know the lot's going to fall on me. Jonah does not repent. When they came to him, Tell us what is your occupation? In verse 9 he says this, I'm a Hebrew and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. He does not repent here. When they said, what must we do? And he says, throw me in the sea. He does not repent. Isn't that amazing? He says, I'm not repenting. I am not repenting. I think, how, how amazing. How many times do you come to church that preaches the Bible every Sunday, and you're living with a sin issue in your life, and every Sunday you don't repent? You don't repent. 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 That's where Jonah is. But thankfully, God can work through all this. Notice what happens to the sailors. The sailors get saved. Notice the verse. 
Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice to the Lord and took vows. Now there's a little bit of discussion on whether they were truly born again, but the Hebrew scholars I read after said this. One of them made this said, where, it's, where you see where it says took vows. One Hebrew scholar wrote, this phrase could be understood. They promised to serve him. These are terms of conversion to Israel's religion and the recognition that Yahweh alone is the one true God. This storm, thankfully, brought the sailors to faith in the one true God of the Bible. Aren't you thankful? Because you know what they were doing before? Notice, I believe it's in verse 13. Or verse 12, Jonah says, pick me up and throw me in. And he said to them, pick me up and throw me into the sea. Then the sea will become calm for you, for I know that this great tempest is because of me. Nevertheless, the men wouldn't do it. They rode hard to return to the land, but they could not, for the sea continued to grow more and more tempest. That is a lost person trying to fight against God's will. They just can't do it. They just can't. This is how pagans sometimes try to fix spiritual things. You're going to lose. You're always going to lose. I don't know how many times I've been with lost people that are terminal with a disease. And you share the gospel. And they'll look to everything and anything but the gospel. Superstitions. Uh, worship of angels. So many things. You're just like, please, look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. What they're doing is rowing against the wind. They're just rowing against the wind. And they're getting nowhere. These pagan men got nowhere. And then finally, the men feared the Lord. They called on the Lord. And then the Bible says they basically repented. I want to read you these two quotes about the storms in life. Because this storm brought these men to faith. And this storm is trying to make Jonah into the man God wants him to be. When God wanted to make Abraham into a man of faith who could be the father of all the faithful on the earth, he put him through years of wandering with apparently unfulfilled promises. When God wanted to turn Joseph from an arrogant, deeply spooled teenager into a man of character, he put him through years of rough handling. He had to experience slavery and imprisonment before he could save his people. Moses had become a fugitive and spent 40 years in the loneliness of the wilderness before he could lead. Storms can wake us up to the truths we would otherwise never see. Storms can develop our faith, our hope, our love, our patience, our humility, and self-control in that nothing else can. And innumerable people have testified that they found faith in Christ and eternal life only because of some great, some great storm drove them toward God. That was these sailors. So what happens to Jonah, the unrepentant one? This happened. Jonah was tossed. Notice what the Bible says. So they picked up Jonah and threw him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its ragings. Sad, isn't that a sad commentary about Jonah? God was going to send Jonah to preach a very short message, and a whole pagan city was going to experience revival. But here's where Jonah's life is now. Isn't that sad? Jonah was tossed. Jonah was tossed to the side. I wonder how many Christians have received a calling from God, regardless of how big or little it is. But they've run from God, they fell asleep at the wheel, and God's just tossed their life away. You know, I was thinking about, uh, I heard a guy telling, saying yesterday that Amazon, Jeff Bezos, I guess is his name, worth a hundred and some billion dollars. hundred and some billion dollars. And I, was thought, I, I thought of this thought. What shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world, yet loses his own soul? All this stuff is tossed. Look. Tossed. It's gone. Do you realize, Jesus told his disciples, apart from me you can do nothing. That means nothing of eternal significance. What you do apart from Jesus and the church really has no eternal significance. Nothing Amazon's doing has, has anything of eternal significance through their, through their owner. And if you tithe this morning, if you tithe two bucks, 
your two bucks in the kingdom is worth more than his a hundred and some billion dollars that he spends on himself. His life, if he doesn't trust in Christ, is tossed. It's just tossed. Everything you do apart from the kingdom is just tossed. And here's Jonah at this stage in his life. He's been a great prophet, and he's just tossed. Isn't it sad? It is sad. So let me ask you a question today. As we close, I'm going to ask your musicians to come. Are you sleeping? Are you sleeping? Arise, O sleeper, and repent now. The beautiful thing is that you don't have to walk forward to repent. You don't have to pray out loud to repent. God knows your heart, and you can repent where you are. But I will say this with all seriousness, and it applies to my life as much as yours. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, he shall reap. And remember this, the storm in your life is not there to pay you back for sin, but to bring you back from your sin and surrender to God. I like how one pastor put it. He says, why do you keep running? Why do you keep sleeping? God only wants to bless your life and to use you more greatly than you've ever dreamed. Why are you resisting him? Listen to this. Why do you keep running? Why do you keep sleeping? God only wants to bless your life and to use you more greatly than you have ever dreamed. Why would you resist him? I would encourage you to surrender to him today. If you've never placed your faith and trust in Christ, I would encourage you to look to Jesus. Jesus is your only hope. You're hopeless, hopeless and helpless without Christ. Our sin separates us from God and will for eternity, and only Jesus Christ can forgive your sins. Only Jesus Christ, whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord, will be saved. I want you to stand with me for just a moment with every head bowed and every eye closed as I lead us in prayer. And this altar is open for you this morning. Father, as I come to you in prayer, I want to thank you, Lord, for your word. Father, the life of Jonah is so convicting. Lord, there may be some of us in here, to, and Lord, we're still running. Father, many of us in here are sleeping. Lord, wake us up this morning. Father, the potential to share the gospel in this room this morning is it's just tremendous. Father, I pray that you would use us, Lord, our co-workers, classmates, friends, family members. Lord, you placed us in their life in that realm of influence, Lord, not to sleep, but Lord, to share the gospel. Father, these sailors were ready to be saved. And they were born again apart from Jonah. Let it not be said of us. Father, this is your time and these are your people. If there's anyone in here today that's never placed their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, I pray that they would bow their hearts to the King of kings and Lord of lords today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. As Sharon leads us in this song, you respond as the Lord leads you this morning. prayer you may want to say this if this applies to you Lord forgive me for running Lord today I make a commitment to stop running 
Lord, today, on this Sunday, Father, I make a commitment to you in my heart to stop running. And as you're praying, I would tell you, when I did that, it was so freeing. And it was such a blessing. It was almost like being born again. And then there's so many of us in here who could say this. Lord, forgive me for being asleep. Lord, awaken me to what really matters in my life. Lord, in the kingdom. Father, awaken me to spiritual things once again. It's so easy in this world to just think secular, secular, secular. We're all guilty of it. But Lord, awaken us to the things that are spiritual. The only things that will last for eternity. And Jesus, we're reminded that apart from you, we can do absolutely positively nothing. And Father, we thank you for your word and the Holy Spirit. Father, we're thank you, we thank you that the storms in our life are not to pay us back. Lord, they're to bring us back. They're not for retribution, Lord, they're for redemption. So Father, we thank you for that as well. And we love you and we praise you for it. In Jesus' name I pray and all of God's people said together. Amen. Well, God bless you. One quick thing tonight. Um, Awana's at 6 o'clock. Children's choir is at 5.30. And care ministry will be at 5 p.m. So meet in the fellowship hall. We have care baskets. We'd like to take the shut-ins. If you can be here, God bless you. You're dismissed and have a great Sunday afternoon.